So, welcome back to a, another beautiful day and another beautiful episode of A Witch and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar, the podcast where we drink a bottle of wine and talk about spirituality. <laughs> and today, our wine is called Passages, which is Cabernet Sauvignon from California 2017, which we got because A, it was inexpensive, and B, it had a cool logo, which yeah. is how we choose most of our wine. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I usually judge the wine on the label. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're kind of like more middle shelf people, I would say. Mm-hmm. Today we are joined <laughs> yeah, middle shelf or bottom. Actually two buck chopped. But anyway. <laughs> uh, today we're joined by our good friend Dave. Or David, what, what do you prefer? Uh, both, either or, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Dave works. Dave, okay. Dave Lovell. Dave Lovell. And uh, oh, he's just such a wonderful, beautiful human being. And we're going to talk about all <laughs> things science and spirituality. And whatever else comes up. Yeah, yeah whatever, whatever else, else we... comes up. And we may di- digress, but, you know. So it's... we wanted to have you on because you have kind of an interesting perspective. We were talking about science and uh, religion last time, and you were describing a little bit about your history about almost going into science like yes. as a profession, but yes. you also have a, this sort of spiritual outlook on it. Yes. So what's, what was your, what's your background? Like what, what did, how did it start and where did you end up? Um, yeah, I, uh, where do we start? Um, my, par- <laughs> my parents were scientists, and um, they were into cl- it were, they were a, like an interclass marriage. My mother was more like upper class, but uh, middle class, and uh, my dad was poor working class. And in England, that's like frowned upon back then. Really? Yeah. And my but turn out my dad was a genius, it, and so even though he was poor working class from a, a soldier soldier's family. Um, he was very smart, so he got into uh, geology and geochemistry. Whoa! And pioneered a whole field of science, which was gas geochemistry. That's crazy. Yeah, so he went that, from that to that. Yeah, and he um, he uh, he ended up. That's how we got our green card. That's how we got to America. Was mm. because uh, when you go through immigration, they say, "Well, what do you uh, what do you got to offer?" And and if they'll pigeonhole you, give give you a priority rating. And my dad was. There was one other guy in America that was on doing the same sort of research, but my dad got there first with the, um, with his PhD, and that got us in the door. That's amazing. And uh, so we came out to Colorado, <clears throat> and uh, and then ended up um, when he retired, bought an apple and pear orchard in Oregon, and that's got how we moved to Oregon. And then that's we've so cool. we've always been into uh, me and my brother Rob. We've always been into windsurfing. And the Southern Oregon coast is a world-class destination for windsurfing, so that's how we got here. And that's uh, so cool. and just so happens we had a print shop for sale, so we, we ended up that gave us a means for a living was printing the old old-fashioned offset printing. But uh, science, so I've always I've been brought up in the scientific family, and I start um, I studied biological sciences and uh, specialized in marine ecology. And that's so cool. But I never got a there was a joke like. If you get marine biology degree in England, the, the if you're not a cute girl, you, you'll end up just working in a fish and chip shop. That was the sort of <laughs> joke about getting a marine biology degree is you'll just end up in a fish and chip shop. But uh, so I never really used it. Um, just just something I, I I did I didn't I wasn't a career scientist, so I just went into other other things uh, like uh, wet making wetsuits and. Uh, um, being a snowcat operator and then running a print shop, um, but I, um, I had an ex- I had a very strange experience when I first moved to the Oregon coast. Um, what was that? And that's what opened me up to the spiritual side of things. Ooh, I want to hear about that. Because before then, were you pretty much was it were your family pretty much atheists? Like, or, oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally. no, uh, oh yeah, this is um, gonna be fun. I yeah, want to hear about this. Yeah, England, it's uh, Church of England, which is pretty much Be- being an atheist. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty like casual. <laughs> um, and my dad was totally anti-religious, um, and uh, we, yeah, so we're not not religious at all. But but uh, I, I, as a child, I was very odd with. Because I always loved bugs, critters, yeah, and that's why I got into biology. Um, and I, as I was a very funny kid, and we lived all over the world. I lived in I lived in Nigeria, 
That's amazing. Moved to, yeah, when three, I was three months old when we immigrated to Nigeria. And we had to leave because of a civil war that broke out in 1968. Wow. And, and were your family doing research there? or My dad was a, as a geologist and my mother was um, teaching geography. Oh. Um, and then she would get her days and she'd go off wandering with the natives. And uh, <clears throat> they loved her because she loved bugs too and critters. <laughs> and one day in, in the forest, she f- found a chameleon. And they said, that's a great, that's a blessing because for the chameleon to reveal its self to you oh yeah that that says something about who you are oh, that's so, really cool so my mother was really respected by the natives uh there and uh and my dad would bring her orchids that he would find from when he was out in the fields um so that's that, so, so cool. all kinds of stuff that but i remember that because i was so young but um we then immigrated to uh brisbane australia in the early 70s and i love bugs there too um and i would pick up deadly spiders i get bitten by them and i just like you know all kinds of crazy stuff but i always <laughs> loved bugs and i never killed them i was I, to me they were friends mm. so i had this very strange association with all kinds of critters so i wasn't those like kids pulling legs off spiders i was it was hor- horrified me and um we had a visiting buddhist monk show up uh about like 2003 something and he, we were doing a question q and a with him and someone knowing a little bit about my background, he, they, they said, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, you know, what if, if you're someone who, that doesn't harm any bugs like that? And they said, well, that means, he said, well, that means you respect all life. And in our religion, that means you descended from heaven mm. because you value all life. So it was something that was like, whoa. Because what he was saying is when people, <clears throat> people take up Buddhism, they're taught, they're taught to not harm others. So then they make that part of their lifestyle whereas i had that already so they said that's mm-hmm. that, so that's something that you had known before you receiving the teachings of buddha so you already had it in your blood and they said that's why you came from heaven because you uh you valued all life like you in, you instinctively already knew the lesson yeah, yeah yeah and um later on buddhist monks showed up and they said that uh, one one guy who was on a secret lineage he said i was his teacher in a past life and uh, so being a scientist and not being religious, I respected the stuff, but I didn't, you know, didn't really, you know, I had to still pay bills and stuff. So, yeah. you know, carry on. <laughs> you know, but um, the, the, the really, like what really opened my eyes up and it was before the Buddhist monks showed up was um, it was back in uh, 1999. Uh, I, I had an experience experience that really rocked my world because I had a very solid scientific education and I was not woo-woo at all. I was a windsurfer, graphic designer, living in my van with my dog. Yeah. <laughs> and I was that was pretty much all I was, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I had this lady approach me and she said, I, I've been looking for someone to help me with this crystal. And uh, I, I wonder if you could, you, you, you're the man. And I was like, okay. And um, so we went to, to look at this crystal and it was enormous. It was like 40, 50 pound giant quartz crystal. Oh my God. Huge. My, my brother saw it as well. <clears throat> and uh, she was, she was kind of, you know, she was woo woo. And, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. she was talk, talking to them like they were her children. She had a bunch of these crystals. And, uh, she said, I oh, need to bathe it in the ocean. Could you help me? And I was like, I, all right, yeah, because she couldn't carry it. This thing was fucking massive. And uh, so I carried it down to the, the ocean. Uh, this was up in Gold Beach, uh, mm. on Bailey Beach, the north, uh, but near uh, Otter Point. That's a very special place. Yeah, it is a special place. In a lot of strange ways, I think. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I took the, I, it was low tide, and I took the crystal down, and I plunked it in the water, and I stood there like an idiot, and I was just like, you know, okay, so what do I do? You know, I just sit there looking at this crystal in the water. And after about 15 minutes, I kind of went, well, screw this. I'll, I'll uh, pick it up and walk back to the car. As I reached down to pick the crystal, a voice yells in my, my head, leave me alone. Just screams at me, leave me alone. And like, oh. in, in, and, like, a, like in your consciousness, just loud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, w- I was not ready for that. I mean, it freaked me. And I thought I was imagining things. Like, well, what the fuck? 
Sorry, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Cuspid? Yeah. Oh, sorry. absolutely. <laughs> Excuse <it>. my French. <laughs> Excuse my French. Um, so I, I just, I just thought I was imagining things. So I picked the crystal up and I walked it back to the car. And the lady was like, "Yo, um, thank you. You know, was there anything odd?" I said, "Well, you know, I heard this voice say, leave me alone.'" And she said, "I thought so. It needs to be in there longer." So I was like, "Can you come and do this again sometime?" This was in December mm -hmm. of 1999. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we've got to drop some printing off uh, like a couple, two, three weeks from now. So, we'll, we, yeah, we could do it another time. So she said, well, give me a date. And I said, well, that'll put us around. It's like, I think it was like a Monday, but it was like the 22nd. And just so happened, it was like the winter solstice. Like, oh, I didn't know about that oh, sort yeah. of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'd, heard the, I'd heard of those <clears throat> names, but I, I was, really didn't know about what that actually meant. Now I do. Now I know what that stuff means. But... Um, Back then, it was it just happens to be the winter solstice of 1999. How fascinating. Which is when I started doing some more of the Mayan research, like, I don't know, 10, 12 years later, this 2012 stuff, there was a lot linked to that particular winter solstice of 1999. There was, there was, it was associated with the one in 2012. And the moon was the closest it had been in 144 years. There was all sorts of weird things. But what happened that freaked me out uh, was that we show up, it's, uh, yeah, it's like Monday or something like that, 22nd December, 1999, and uh, she's a little nervous, and the tide's coming in, it's, it's low tide, the tide's coming in, very flat, it's Bailey Beach, very flat beach, and uh, she didn't want me to go where I was before, like which, right where the shoreline was, she wanted me to stay up, up by the high tide mark, she was freaking out about something. So I was like, all right. Uh, so we stand in there. We put the crystal down on the sand. The same one. The same one. Giant <laughs> thing. Yeah. And what was weird was there was a crack had appeared. A C-shaped crack had started forming. It was like in the, the, the three, two, three weeks I had first seen it and then saw it again. There was, it had a crack in it. I don't know what that was about, but we put it in the sand and... Um, just sitting there again, I felt like an idiot, you know. I was just like, all right, you know. Um, all of a sudden, a um, you'd call it like a sneaker wave, mm -hmm. or kind of like a, a, a wash started coming. And you see, the tide's out 200 yards. I mean, there's a lot of beach, and all of a sudden, we see this sort of surge of water like the tide is coming in, but this surge of water rushes across the beach. It, um, it, it hit me a a few inches below my knee. Um, I had my, you know, I was, you know, I've got soggy jeans, but um, this water just hit us and rolled around us. And right as the water, like the, the, the crystal disappeared, right as the water was covering around us, I, I felt like someone punched me in the stomach. Mm. And it was like this gut feeling. And the gut feeling, it wasn't a voice this time, but I had this gut feeling. <clears throat> And the gut feeling was it's gone, like like totally Looney Tunes type of thing to, mm -hmm, to think. Mm -hmm. um, but sure enough, yeah, sure enough, as the water receded, this 40, 50 pound crystal had gone, disappeared, winked out of existence. And I and I wanted wow. to also add is right before the water covered it, there was Holy a pink God. glow inside the crystal, and there was nothing around the crystal to make it pink. Like, it wasn't like pink rock or, or pink like the sand sunset or anything or pink like that. sunset. Yeah, this was in the morning about 9 a.m. It was gray and, and, uh, and that wave was not strong enough to pull, drag out a 40 pound crystal. Exactly, because the yeah. lady I was with, she was, in, <clears throat> she was, uh, late 60s and a little frail old lady mm -hmm. with her little Wellington boots on. And it didn't knock her off her feet. It should have knocked us off her feet if it was enough to make yeah, this crystal disappear. Yeah. I went into a sort of a shock. Um, like, literally, like, I, I, I was. I didn't know. I, it was weird. I was moved. I was. I was like, uh, my scientific training couldn't explain what happened. I, my, my nearest thing was I. I um, and if somebody could figure it out, the marine biologist who knows about waves could have figured it out. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, 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 right. I specialized in marine ecology, and one thing we studied is that there's certain uh, certain organisms that inhabit this, um, the different parts of the strata of the beach, and uh, depending on. Uh, there's like dilatant sediment and thixotropic sediment so that the water is like, so the sand is really wet sand or it's really coarse dry sand and that will dictate what lives in that sand. 
And so oh. I thought that it there was some kind of quicksand effect where the water and and the positioning of the crystal made it kind of maybe a sort of quicksand event and it just sucked down. So that was my first reaction was to just dig down. Nothing. There was nothing there. It was gone. I looked. So it was like. So I looked out and the water receded, and there was, you know, two hundred yards of flat sand. No crystal. No crystal. And uh, she went into shock because she's. She had a feeling something odd was going to happen. And she went into shock. And I felt bad because I was like, uh, it was my <laughs> fault. I'm out of here. See ya. You know, because yeah. her husband was like, how did it go, honey? Uh, we lost the crystal. And I was like, yeah, it, uh, it wasn't me. Uh, I didn't do anything. It just disappeared. Yeah. They paid like $1,600 from it. They got it from the gem show in Arizona. Oh, the big one. The big yeah. one. Yeah. And Sedona, probably Sedona, huh? Yeah, and she yeah. was really woo-woo. And she said the thing was talking to her. She got it because the gemologist wanted to cut this baby. There was It was a 40, 50-pound crystal, and it had a growing, like a right-angle baby crystal next to it. And uh, they wanted to cut that out. And she was just like, Strongly no, no, no. Let shit. me have it. Let me have it. And so she bought it as is. And then when she was driving back to mm. Oregon... She said this thing was talking to her and wanted to say, like, can you drive as close to uh, nuclear uh, bunkers, uh, missile silos? Like, it wanted to absorb the negativity. How weird. And then she came and she did this. I mean, just... But it talked to you, too. So maybe it doesn't yeah. seem like it's that outrageous now. Yeah, no, I, it <laughs> really blew it, my mind. I was in shock. Yeah. And, and it just so happened on that day my dad and his family were coming out from Colorado to visit for Christmas. And they got, they arrived on that day. Just like so they drove from Colorado, two and a half drives in two and a half hours, two, sorry, two and a half days in a minivan. And they get there right as the sunset's kicking off. And my dad is like, you know, I've seen a few sunsets in my time. And I've never seen a sunset like that, ever. Wow. And for the next two weeks, we had... Um, the weather was in the 80s for two weeks around Christmas. We literally, it was almost too hot to walk barefoot on the beach. It was that hot. So right after that winter solstice, right after this crystal disappearing, right after my family coming out to visit, and this 80 degree weather for two weeks, it was it was bizarro land. That's wow. crazy. Yeah, and uh, there was a lot of there's a lot of other things. Like a lot of people have uh, have added to the story. Because it's, it's an ongoing thing. There's like people just bring pieces in that are like, oh my God. Yeah, I remember that time. That was crazy. Um, she she kind of lost her, lost it a bit and she went to Mount Shasta. She knew like channels. Uh, one particular she went to was Claire Hartsong. And she told her what happened. And so she relayed that. And again, I'm just like, well, I, I don't know about this, but I can't explain what happened. It was weird lots of synchronicities and stuff like that but she said that this crystal was in uh one of the temples of atlantis and it was an altar it was in its like one of the temples of atlantis it was smuggled out before atlantis sank and um it was done with being an altar stone and it wanted to make ascension and it and that pulse of water that came across the land the the, the beach was um, an expression of a divic water elemental, a uh, three hundred foot water dragon is what she called it, and that this it, that this dragon carried this crystal in its ascended it was ascending into it was turning into liquid crystal, and this water elemental was carrying it to what it was called a crystal palace in the fourth dimension fourth dimensional <laughs> ocean. So it's like the Pacific Ocean, but a fourth dimension. But in ocean. a different dimension. Yeah. And that, that crystal palace is where Rogue Reef is. And uh, we, what we were pointing out was there's a rock, there's a, one of the islands is called Pyramid Rock. Mm -hmm. And apparently there's a crystal palace there. And that's where it, that's where it's dwelling. That's where it is. That's crazy. Yeah. It all sounds <laughs> very woo. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> but, but, it but if it hadn't happened but, to you. But yeah, I, I, I'm curious to know how... Um, after hearing all, all this and then and then experiencing that voice and then the disappearance, did you feel like you needed to justify that experience somehow 
did you want to know? I'm just curious to know how, um, because for me, if I experience something that I can't explain or that goes beyond my own reasoning ability, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to like believe what other people say about oh, what yeah. that really was. I thought it was bloody nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was nuts too, and yeah. you know, but it, but it still happened. It, but it still happened. You know, I, I, I have no scientific explanation for that whatsoever. I'm not a scientist, but um, something that I kind that I believe is probably true, just based off of like how weird time and space and all that shit actually works. Yeah. Apparently, when people are getting into quantum physics, I'm not a quant. I I don't know very much about quantum physics. I just yeah. know about quantum you know. Suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> other, you know, like other dimensions are real. Yeah, we pretty much know that now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I feel like coming from a pagan background, I've been pagan my whole life. All I know is that in ancient times, liminal spaces were important gateways. Yeah. So between the sea and the ocean, or maybe the the sea and the in the land between the sky and the earth. Yeah. You know, like like any in between place, and all I know is that where we live is a very big liminal space. We're between multiple rivers. We're between yes. the, the sea and the mountains. We're between California and Oregon. We're a very in-between place. It's a magical place. And I feel yeah, like that in-betweenness, for whatever reason, lends itself to some windows being able to open. Yes, <clears throat> absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, and, and my ancestry, I, I grew up around Stonehenge. And, mm. um, you know, and I've... Um, you got got some stuff there that's interesting. Yeah, um, I can't like my Celtic background or something. Yeah, like that, totally. You know? um, it's a very magical place too, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yes, I, I mean I totally agree. I, I think yeah. So it was a, you know, I just lo I mean I lost my shit for a while, but um, <laughs> you know, but my brother, my brother always grounded me. So the thing about me and my brother is is uh, you know he ain't here. He's my brother. My brother always was like keep me grounded. You know, because he'd be mm -hmm. like, whatever, man, just, look, we got to get this work done, you know, <laughs> so get back to work, mm -hmm. stay grounded, don't get crazy weird. But it, so I put it in the background in my mind and thought, you know, whoa, that's kind of crazy stuff. Well, a few years, well, one of the, the first things that started happening was I started having what we call lucid dreaming. My dreaming went off the charts. I started basically becoming a dreamer and this was after the crystal after the situation crystal. yeah yeah because hmm. i suffered from sleep apnea all my life and uh very odd and i never never remember dreaming um but after that thing happened dreams started going off the charts start going off and then weird people start showing up i had a shaman show up out of the blue oh wow who wanted business cards and she wanted, she said, well, do you want to do a trade, you know, for printing and, uh, you know, I'll do, I'll show you what I do. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'm kind of interested. And so I told her about the whole crystal thing. And so she went into a mega trance and she said, yeah, that water dragon's real. I, I, I saw it. It's, your, it's, it's, I went to the edge of the ocean and this thing just raised up out of the water and, um, it's crazy. And she said, it's, it's one of your power animals and it's, uh, she did a bit of research and she, she said that what she got from it was it was an aquatic dinosaur that survived a mass extinction event. And it was one of the last, basically, just so just, it, it lived its days in this area. And now it's dead, obviously. And now it's dead, but it, it, it was <clears> basically <throat> this, this spirit, like it's a ghost or whatever you want to yeah. call it, some entity that still inhabits this area. And so that was kind of mind blowing. And the shaman said, look, uh, you've already attained enlightenment once as a monk. And now you're back to do it again on a bigger scale. Cause that when you do enlightenment for yourself, that's considered selfish, but then the greater enlightenment is to help mankind. So that was that that was like it's trippy. That's trippy stuff. Especially there. since that was told to you again by yeah. a separate party. Right, and I didn't seek it yeah. out. Yeah. She came to get business cards and we said, Let's do a trade, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh and then a couple of years later the Buddhist monks show up and they say the same thing. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know her at all. Jack shit. There was no connection with though she was, you know, her own, you know, uh <laughs> her own thing. Yeah. But these Buddhist monks show up 
years later and the, the monk that showed up his he represented a secret lineage of chinese buddhism uh and his lineage is the dragon saint buddha whoa what in the hell i bet that was the same one that you were from yeah because he said i was his teacher yep he said i was uh, and that's why the dragon is your spirit animal yeah what the hell that's so fucking that's, crazy so when stuff like that comes around when dinosaur that, that ghosts just, well that's to me that's synchronicity that's like yeah. something that yeah. i didn't make it up I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sharing a story, but I'm not making this shit up. It's just stuff that happened and these these things that fell in place That's along wild. the way. That's wild. So that it lent it so it has affirmation to Confirm- yeah, it's confirmation. Yeah, confirmation. And that's something that you know, as uh, at least with the with the type of work that I do, on you know, in my own life, like that's always something that I look for. Like it's it's one thing to get your own message, your own subconscious yeah. message, but it's another thing when like five other people will validate the same thing exactly. independently. Exactly. Then it's like, okay, okay, I'm listening. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That got my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when, and then this other Buddhist monk came here and he was all about green Tara and he just did singing and stuff. The first monk, he looked like, he, this was a trip. He, uh, he got his teaching uh, in the Wutai Mountains, which is where uh, that film Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was filmed at. Oh, okay. So he talked about his stuff, and uh, but he was a secret lineage, and they were brought up to be like uh, one-on-one with their master, and then he taught healers, and so he had a he was revered in China, but he had to flee because of the persecution and the the, the you know the, what happened to the Dalai Lama that that was going on with them. So he fled, he got a sponsor, and he immigrated. He got brought out to the West Coast. He's down in San Jose, um, but his guy's fierce looking. He has long black hair, very unusual Buddhist monk, um, super strong. He's proficient in, oh, was, I mean, he said something like a thousand martial arts, but the guy was banned from banned from competing because he can read your mind. He can see like he's, and the guy's like just huge Whoa. looking dude. I mean, he's a crazy looking dude. And when the dreaming stuff started kicking off, mm. this guy would show up and talk to me in his dream. So oh, wow. he'd be like, like that. So he was telling me, like, <laughs> I can talk to you in a way that you'll listen. And is this before? Wow. So how do you, when he was showing up in your dreams, was that before you met him in real life or after? After. He was yeah. showing me practices that only his master had shown him. And he hadn't shown to anyone else. I was shown them in a dream. And then seven months later, we were given the teaching and the practice that I'd already seen seven months before. And I had no upbringing in this stuff. And what it was was called the Black Manjushri Practice. Black Manjushri Practice is very, very powerful. And again, I'm not religious, but it's um, it's a practice where basically you turn inward and instead of having an external Buddha, you go into your own Buddha, your own mm. inner Buddha. And it repels black magic. It's, it's extremely powerful for like kinds of stuff um so so in in the buddhist world they use it for like like if someone's being cursed or like they've got an illness or they call it black man you know they'll they'll yeah. dispel it with them but they'll do the black magic uh the black man jushri practice so this guy showed me the black man in your dreams in a dream that's seven amazing. seven months before we started doing it in real life in real life that's wild yeah and that got my attention big time because yeah. i couldn't explain it but that's the thing about dreams is that's mm-hmm. what I'm, I'm fascinated with dreams. I, uh, I've been reading a lot about Carl Jung and oh, you know, yeah. he called, coined the term synchronicity and that's like, you know, the forces of planets on our, you know, mm-hmm. reality and stuff. And it makes a lot of sense. Well, um, and we've all experienced it, you know, no matter what people choose to believe that kind of synchronicity has, I believe has probably happened to everybody at some point in their life, you know? Yeah some weird something where you're like, Oh, I was just thinking about that. Or, Oh, yeah. this thing keeps coming up. You know? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> but it's extraordinary stuff that the, the other Buddhist monk that showed up like a couple of years later, uh, I can say he was about green Tara and this first Buddhist monk, he said that I should say green Tara mantras as much as I could. Mm. So this other guy showed up, had no connection, uh, whatsoever with this other, with this, this first Buddhist monk. And he was a, a, a head abbot of a monastery on in, in Nepal that faces the Himala- uh, Mount Everest, and um, he he, uh, he when he was doing his practices ceremonies, he did a lot of singing and chanting, and 
afterwards it would be like rainbows in the sky i mean we get we see rainbows around here but man the amount of times he would do his stuff would look out the window and there's a rainbow and he'd be going oh that is good good and he said um this area is a pure land he said and he said there is a um what do you call it a uh protector that protects Mm. this land and he said well he said could you describe that is uh he said it's a a water elemental a dragon Mm. like that Mm. so he came up with the same another thing completely unrelated but he said this being was a protector and that when we had dark forces coming in the uh it would be uh transmuted so so if stuff's going on in the world it, some of it get, it gets mediated it gets transmuted here by the energy by the freak by you know sasquatches <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> and, and you know and it makes me wonder too because when we when we say like a water dragon or a water elemental you know my my assumption based off of that is that this is like a metaphor for some spiritual being that we're just trying to put a face and a name to because you know or or our subconscious has given us this image to understand it yeah but if it's some interdimensional being that you know who knows yeah who knows what it really is well you know i know in the east the dragon is associated with enlightenment whereas in the west it's like you know it's a bad thing but it's um it's you know in in the east it's this it's a creature that hangs out in the swamp that is enlightened and Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a form of enlightenment so I mean, I think of like my ancestors. I think of like DNA or like yeah. having connection with your ancestors and it's being oh, strong, you know. And uh... well, and even in in um, at least you know Germanic mythology, you know, where they're where guarding dra- dragons are guarding hordes of gold and this right. and that. Those are like symbols of enlightenment, right. gold and fire and all these things. So. Right, and, I, and, yeah. and the synchronicities are amazing because I, you know, I'm very like doubting the scientific side's always there. The skeptic is always going. Well, I don't know about that. That's, you know, you know, but it's always temp. It's like tempered, you know, it's like as woo mm-hmm. as it feels. There's something that kind of goes synchronicity like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I keep I've been keeping a journal. That was one way to <coughs> deal with the sort of insanity of it was mm-hmm. I wrote it down. So like yeah. in a journal, so I've got like 15 nice. years, 20 years of journaling. That's amazing. To keep track that's of great. it. I always this crazy stuff. I always tell myself to keep a journal and I always, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I <need> to, <laughs> Yeah, I've noticed it helps with the dreaming and stuff. I, I would write write daily stuff down on one side and then flip the page. And then write, if I had a dream that I could recall, I'd write it on the other side. And I'd try to make associations with like lunar phases or if there was a storm or if it was hot or cold. Like see if there was... Because uh, like, my scientific side is always curious. Mm-hmm. You know, always thinking like, you know, I'm going to... You know, um, you know, is it is it a particular lunar phase that I, I have a dream or is it... Yeah, I couldn't really put a pin to it, but I wrote down anyway, you know. Do you find that um, <clears throat> that if you're looking for associations, you're inevitably going to find one, even if there may not, like, for me, it's like, there. there's definitely the possibility that some things that correlate are connected, but if I'm looking for something really hard, I feel like I'm going to create connections where maybe it's just coincidences. I oh, think, yeah. Yeah. Oh, know. for sure. I think you can do that, but I think that's where the uh, the sort of like the disconnect, like what am I trying to say? There's a difference between like looking for signs and finding them wherever you look and five independent people mentioning water right. dragons multiple times. I feel times. like when like, things come to you, and especially in, in your situation where you actually you came from a thinking scientifically and yeah and then all of a sudden have, things happen where you're yeah, like well, I can't but, explain it but you're still using that scientific approach in a way oh yeah, in, yeah in, in, in even in that yeah and i would so, so you know being exposed to sort of spirituality i mean i just have always felt like well we, and this was kind of before like a lot of the quantum start hearing about quantum stuff but it should one should describe the other one should be, be able to mirror the other if there's truth to it there's the truth should be like pervasive it should like so if something has some truth to it, it will kind of pop up over here, and it, there's the truth. It's the tr- it's, so it's it's you you don't have to hang on to it. It's like it's got to be like this. But if it comes up over here, it's like oh, mm-hmm. that is something that's like. Yeah. So I, I mm-hmm. to me, I I like to think of um, you know dreaming, lucid dreaming. Mm. There is a science to it, uh, you know, and, um, and absolutely, uh, you know, and in Buddhism, from what I've learned. Is uh, when you have the Buddha mind, you you are beyond the three worlds, which is the past, present, and future, and that means you're beyond the illusion of linear time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Odin, Odin putting his eye in the well of memory. Oh, was that? See, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. 
Yeah, so, you know, if you try and start, start thinking about things where it's already happened or it's happening, it's come right, you know, it's like it's all in that now moment is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, to, to, to think of nonlinear time is quite a thing to get your head around. Um, it's, it's not really something you can think about, but it is definitely something that you can, you can have the experience yeah. of it because... Yeah. I've definitely had that experience. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that you, the, if you meditate long enough, you you have an experience of no time. Yeah. Of like mm-hmm. a, eternity in a single second. Yeah. And uh, man, I kind of want to talk more about that. The 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 dream. Odin. And oh, and the, and the I kind of wanted. Yeah, because I don't really know. I, I, I kind of well, was thinking. I heard about it, but I don't talk know about, about it. that well, a little bit. You know, you're talking we'll... about being beyond past, present, and future. It just hit mm-hmm. a nerve in me because, and this is something that like I really believe. Like, and I've talked about it on, on the show before, but, um, you know, a lot of people tend to look back at these myths and being like, oh well, you know, these are just ways that primitive peoples explain nature. And I don't think that's true. I think that these are metaphors for spiritual concepts that were just as advanced as what Buddhism has, as what Hinduism has, because Hinduism and especially um, like the ancient Germanic religions and the ancient Celtic religions all come from the same Indo-European stream. And I just think the only difference is that these two traditions were not interrupted and these ones were destroyed. Yeah. And so we will never know what the practitioners really believed. But Odin, there's a myth where... Odin goes to Mimir's well, and Mimir is a, a figure um, who's basically a Jotun. He's a giant, and um, you know, there's some indication if you follow the names that it might be Odin's uncle. That doesn't really matter, but <laughs> he he guards the well of memory. Mimir it means memory, and Odin, mm-hmm. uh, in order to drink from the well of memory, sacrifices one of his eyes and puts it into the well. And so there's this sort of concept that one of his eyes is here in present time and one of his eyes is always in the past. So, you know, there's a lot of... Oh, interesting. And yeah, so there's, there's lots of like stuff when i when i learn about buddhism it just it hits this nerve mm-hmm. in me yeah. where i'm like that's that that's yeah, yeah. that you know that's what that meant yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and it is it is and odin is the god of consciousness really when you yeah. when you narrow it down it's all so. to me well i mean i'm a huge joseph campbell oh, fanatic yeah. like yeah. i mean he's my guru but <laughs> um myths from all over the world are very similar because we're all human right. we're gonna have the same experiences and we're gonna interpret them the same yeah similarly yeah you know the imagery is different but the yeah. stories are the same yeah you know yeah, yeah. archetypes Arch- right archetypal. and yeah. uh and and there's always that ground of being there's always the yeah. source something that is underneath it all mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's all pointing to the same truth but we're just talking about it in different ways yeah right yeah and, and, and having sort of first to have the experience like you know it's one thing reading about it in a book right but then to actually have the yes, experience in absolutely your, mm-hmm. your own relationship you relate to it you have a, yeah. a relation and that's why yeah. i feel like for me i didn't read about I didn't know about Buddhism. I didn't know about yeah, same here. No, any I... of that before I had the experience that it describes. Yeah. Like, it wasn't yeah. until after I had the experience that I researched it and learned, this I, is what yeah. Buddhism is uh, all yeah. about. Like, yeah. is this. I had the exact same experience. Like, I was like, when I was, I can remember a time before I kind of found my spiritual path when I was very young. And God and spirit and all this was like very amorphous to me, but I believe there was something, you know, and then I started, you know, after I got my, my encounter with that lady with the runes, you know, I was dreaming about Norse gods and I was dreaming about all this crazy shit. Like it woke something up in me. Yeah. And that's why I went seeking out paganism was because it came to me first. And I wow, think that's yeah. the same experience yeah. that you're describing. Yeah. For me, it, it, it came to me first. I had the, the experience of oneness, oh, that nice. experience of. I can ex- I can describe the experience the best I can was I realized that I was this I was this like what I'm mm-hmm. experiencing yeah. it, I'm not something having an experience I am part of it just yes. as much yeah. as it is yes yeah. I had that simultaneously I realized that words don't don't uh, can't 
convey reality. Yeah, I noticed like, that. That was my yeah. That was the uh, simultaneous experience. I was like, yeah, words can't convey the truth about reality. They can only point to some kind of. They they can only be a metaphor. Like they can mm-hmm. only point to reality, but they can't convey it in its truth yeah i think fascinating that's with language. one thing that yeah. I, I realized at the same time and i yeah this was me when i was still like i mean i i i, I grew up believing the bible was literally true uh-huh. that was my upbringing yeah and that's the mind i still kind of had when i had this, this experience yeah and then it shook me because i was like if words can't be actually true then why am i believing a book to right. point me in the way right and then right. and that's when i was like yeah it all unraveled yeah and then i realized <laughs> words aren't the truth words are pointing to it but you can't experience the truth in the words you have to experience the truth and in try to put it in the words. experience right. of, of reality without the words and that's right. what to me and then i learned about zen and that's what zen is all about yeah no and then if you see there's yeah. this thing about what like, because there is a certain like crazy duality like because well, i i've got this stuff that happened i did get some exposure to buddhism and i would say i was like got a little taste of it and i got went to some ceremonies i got a, i got the black man jewishry transmission from Curti Rinpoche, who was the Dalai Lama's teacher. Wow. Um, wow. That was because the guy that, that, that warrior monk guy right. who said, I was your like, dreams. You, You're my teacher. But like, he said, he <laughs> would, Yeah, he was, he was, a t- he, that guy's a great, I mean, amazing dude. Uh, Don, Donian Lamont Dorje Rinpoche. Um, and he, he, uh, he, he said, I'm not qualified to give this transmission, the Black Man Jewishry thing. I'm not qualified. And I was like, what? And um, so Curti Rinpoche uh, gave this transmission and it was three, I think three, four years before he passed away. So he's moved on. Um, but it was, um, it was down in uh, Scotts Valley. There's a Buddhist center down there and that's where he gave the, the transmission. And uh, so he, he did this little blessing and he touched me on the hair and touched everyone on the hair like that. I was sick for three weeks wow afterwards but I mean, that's that's indicative though and in, in my experience yeah. of, of initiation oh it was yeah awful i was bedridden for three weeks and um and when they they some one of his disciples called in and said how are you doing and like I, oh, and I said, i've been sick for three <laughs> weeks and they go oh very good very yeah. good yep. teaching went ve- very deep good 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 like that like what they could be kidding me when my when my wife wow. when my yeah. wife came back from uh uh down south, she got an initiated to Yemaya in a Nigerian um, house there, and she was sick as a dog. Like when she came home, wow! A couple weeks. Yeah. yeah, they say it's a good thing. They say it's like it's like a purge. It's bringing stuff up, and, yeah. You know, and um, you know, so I, I kind of, I, but yeah, three weeks I was bedridden. I mean, it was awful. God, yeah, I remember it. Cool. But um, yeah, that that um, I think the thing that is um, like it's like like the dreaming part. Like that, see, yeah. my scientific side, skeptic side can just go, wait, 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 wait a minute. That sounds like religious. And I honestly, <laughs> part of me sees religion as a bit that. of a mental issue. It's a mental, you need to be able to drop something. If it's meant to be, it comes back to you. You kind of need to let it go. It shouldn't be fanatical. Yeah. Especially if you, it makes you harm others. That, and I think that's where... I tend to be very skeptical of any religious claim. Yeah, to be honest. But, yeah. but I compartmentalize but. religion and a spiritual experience. Like to me, they're not the same thing. Yeah. Right. Like, and by spiritual, I guess what I mean is like, because that's such a loaded word. And I, I was, ta- I think I was talking to you, Tim. Like we were talking about, like that crystal, for example. I would say, well, that crystal had a spirit. Yeah. But what I mean by spirit, when I, I realized what I mean is consciousness, not spirit. Not right. not like a ghost that's hanging onto the crystal that that thing was awake, and woke. yeah, AF. it was woke. It was it was super woke. woke. Yeah, it's woke AF, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> and it's... Uh, so I guess what I mean by having a spiritual experience is having a, an experience that transcends what I think I know about the physical world. That's yeah, the best, that's the best way I can explain. It was, it. That's exactly it. Yeah, transcendental. It was. It yeah, was a, a transcendental transcend- experience. Yeah, because yeah. I was just like, well, it's like gonna be like this, and it was like, holy, I was moved, man. I felt really. Frit the, you know, and mm-hmm. I, 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 know you wrote some, jo- read some Joseph Campbell. 
I wrote a bunch of um, my friends said, "Oh, you should read uh, Carlos Castaneda and all oh, the yeah. teachings of Don Juan," and I love that stuff. And yeah, yeah. And a lot of I've got the teachings of Don Juan. I've got all that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love well, it. speaking of dreams, I I meant to mention that you know talking about um, having this experience of of a figure appearing in a dream. So in my the Anderson fairy tradition, I'm being trained in. Um, I've had like at least three dreams now where Victor and Cora Anderson have showed up in my dreams and they've either told me something or I've been in their house while they're teaching something. And I've oh, talked wow. to other initiates and been like, well, this is what he said. And they kind of like gave me that look like, oh, let's talk about it after you initiated because <laughs> apparently he said some stuff that was true. That was that wow. I don't know yet. In your dream. Wow. Yeah. So, but That's it's amazing. that very similar trance. And those people are both deceased, you oh, know. Wow. But um, it's just that same idea of wondering where do we really go when we're in our dreams yeah yeah or sure. what what is our brain sure. really doing <laughs> yeah because I, I mean it's a good good example of uh, and this is where i've really started thinking of time in a different sense like not just like like a linear sense but like um there was one time where i fell asleep um on a on the couch and my brother was over at his girlfriend's place and in the dream uh what happens is uh, I'm telling my brother, Rob, I've got to tell you this thing. And he goes, oh, yeah, not now. Well, well, let's go get a cup of coffee and you can tell me then. And then, boom, I wake up. Mm. Now, the boom is my brother slamming the door to come come back. He's just got back from his girlfriend's place. He slammed the door. He's coming up the stairs to our apartment. And that him slamming the door woke me up. And right before I woke up, I was dreaming that I was telling him something and he dismisses me out of hand going, no, well, just, let's go get a cup of coffee and you can tell me then. So he comes to the top of the stairs and I'm just like woken up from that, like that, like, whoa, hey, Rob, i got to tell you this crazy dream. And he's like, not now. Look, well, let's go get a cup of coffee and we, you can tell yeah. me then. And yeah. it, was, it was, it was like, he repeated it. I said, well, that's exactly what I was going to tell you. That's what you, you just said. That's what <laughs> yeah, you just said. Yeah. That is so freaking crazy i yeah. love it i love that so i have a lot of dreams like i have a lot of dreams i and how do we explain that yeah like, exactly how do exactly we... explain the science yeah. explain the science and and i, I don't even know how I to think, even think about it i mean interdimensional like time and space being wobbly is the only shit that i can that come is, up with and, it, and it's and it's not like i mean dream uh dreams that are premonitions like that is that's not a new thing like and that's it's a very well known phenomenon. Yeah, it is. This and uh, it it happens. Like yeah. people do dream things, and then those things come to pass. Yeah, and it is. And I I believe I believe in spiritual technology. Like I believe sure. that yeah. like Buddhism, like these living traditions, have ways that their ancestors figured out that can tap into this shit and can make it happen. Yeah, and I think some people. You know, like Victor and Corey Anderson are a really good example of people who just like transmitted new, like new old stuff that mm -hmm. had that knew the tricks and kind of made it modern. Yeah. But I think that that's why it was so uh, viciously stamped out by Christianity because it could literally open doors. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That, that, that Buddhist monk, I mean, that when he was, when he showed up in my dreams. So for several months, I kept seeing black beings, beings in black, like whether it was African or a great demon or uh just but black was this common theme throughout a bunch of dreams over several months and then he announces this black manjushri practice and he showed me what he was going to do before it happened so like in a dream about something that is secret like no one else knows this and part part of the um ritual is uh, blessed water that you you take a little uh, you, you sip it's blessed water and you take a sip and then you take some and you wipe you wipe yourself down you've got to be naked yeah it's a very strange it's a vagriana type of stuff i feel like a and, lot of mm, and you had yeah so, you, so, so yeah yeah so you had to <laughs> sip some water you had to light some incense that he had made and he said drinking the water was to purify inner karma uh, hidden karma and then the uh, outer karma was the wiping yourself down and so i saw that part in the dream i was like i was handed water and in the dream though it was it was glowing 
it was like a nectar and i said take take a sip and then wipe yourself down like that so it's showing all these parts of this black man jewishry practice and it just mind-blowing yeah mean, and just, nobody could have told you there's no way it. you could have known that yeah so rather than go nuts you know, put it, you know, in your mind and, and you get on with your life. <laughs> put it on the burner, in the yeah, back burner. Yeah, get on with your life, you know. And uh, um, But they, there was a lot with sounds. Like, there's definitely, like, it's hard to, like, speak and stuff. But there is something about words where there's emotion behind it, where it has oh, power. Yeah. Like, that's magic. And that's what that's music, magic. music mm. really is, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I believe in the power of music. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what the runes are. Mm-hmm. It's sound putting that and... yeah sound and and you put the power and the intention behind it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's magic in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I love you, baby. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. It's like get over it, but if you put a tune to it, it's number one <laughs> yeah. pop sensation. It's yeah, number seriously. one pop sensation. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, geez. But yeah, that that magic. The, of, of sound and words definitely has the power to unlock things, you know, like having spent some time in, you know, an Afro Cuban tradition, you know, that's what triggers possession, you know, spell oh, possession. Sure. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, and that's right. what triggers it, you know, drum beats and, and certain songs. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like there's a magic, I really like, again, this is getting into the weird quantum physics time space thing, but I believe there's like a magic in repeating the same thing over and over and over yes. again. When you're singing the chance that somebody was singing 5,000 years ago, yes. you're, you're putting yourself in that time and you're absorbing the power of everybody who's ever sung that chant ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and I don't know. It's crazy. Frequency. Tune yeah. into a radio station. Exactly. Exactly. Would, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Oh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like it, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're at 51 minutes. What else can we just talk about? Jeez. I don't know. How do we wrap that up? That's uh, really exciting. <laughs> I mean, for me, <clears throat> on the subject of talking about, like, how music and chanting and repetition and all that, the spiritual the experience of that, I... Like, yes, I believe that there's definitely a, there's something spiritual about, that's always part of every spiritual practice, no matter what. There's always some kind of, like, music, drumming, uh, the repetition, that thing. And I think it's very effective in putting you into a kind of trance. Yes. And yeah. that's what you're I ac- think that's what has to do. Accessing parts of your mind like when you're dreaming. You're accessing yes. whatever that is. And I think that <laughs> is what like... Dubstep? Yeah. Anyway, that was the dubstep. God. Anyway, so yeah, I believe that that is actually essential to that kind of spiritual i mean if you're yeah if you look at anything i mean even if you get into like the christian church there's music and all that is part of creating the experience and i believe that the experience that takes place in like a pentecostal church setting is is a lot the same it's just in that experience that we're having is a very spiritual and religious experience, yeah. but it's interpreted under yeah. the teaching of that. Right. You, it's place. how you frame it. You're right. having the same experience as people in in Haiti getting right. possessed exactly. by the law. It is very much like, but your conce- the, the what you you conceptualize it differently. Exactly. Yeah. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, 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 <laughs> well, what about gospel singing? I mean, I some yeah. of that stuff. You know, good old oh, yeah. you know, James Brown. Take it a bit step further, but uh, gospel <laughs> exactly, is, yeah. is will Absolutely. move you. Like, oh yeah, oh, totally. I'm not Absolutely. a Christian, and I still yeah. if I hear good gospel, my yeah. you can feel it. That's you know? some powerful stuff, right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Washed in the blood. <laughs> it's pretty morbid when you think. And I, I think that that's, the, I think that's sort of the difference. I think sometimes people will get to one place. You know, what's most readily accessible here in the United States is Christianity, and they'll have a, a, a spiritual experience within that. Like they might go to a Pentecostal church, and that's what happens to them, and they feel it. And to them, that's validation that oh, this is the truth, and this right. is the only truth. But right. I think that people who have been in a few things or just have come at it from a different kind of perspective can see the commonality in all these things and be like, okay, so this is a spiritual technology and this is what makes it work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. Well, I like that. How you put that that way. Yeah. I mean, it's something that, I mean, like I said, I, uh, 
be a little nuts like uh like i don't have any bible stuff experience right but um my my birth name was arthur 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 um king of the britain yeah <laughs> i didn't arthur. vote for you, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just because some watery tart threw you, it you just, you. Yeah. anyway <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Um, if, if there is a religion that I do subscribe to, is Monty Python. Arthurism? Yeah, oh, yeah, or Monty yes. Python. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah Monty yeah, Python. Yes, for sure. I'm, I'm a devotee as well. Yeah, yes. Man, I can laugh at stuff. Well, um, but, uh, Absolutely. My, so, I was, um, so my Celtic, uh, my grandfather was Harold Pengelly. So, um, I have this Celtic clan, you know, sort of DNA, that's the, the Celts, and, you know, Pendragon. Uh, Pengeli to so my, my grandpa mm. was, was, was Harold Pengeli so I was given Arthur was was my initial name but um, my mum had a favorite cousin in Cyprus that died from kidney failure and his name was David and that's so she swapped my name to David and one of these is really weird that that the dragon Saint Buddha monk dude uh, he had a very very informal dinner and uh, people were like, can we film this? Like, no, 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 no. My, I do not want my disciples to see this in China. They would think I have uh, the West has poisoned me. They like he, they they do because they revered him very very sacredly. So they like, didn't. He, want he him cooked. To... He cooked a dinner, and he offered me a plate of food that he had cooked. And he's he was doing this, and and this big fucking massive dude. And uh, he said that he said um, in sort of broken English, he said, you know, uh, statue. Uh, by Michelangelo of David. I'm like, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I know of it. You, David. Mm. And that, so there's some stuff I could go into there that is freaky shit. And well, we still got some time. Let's get into freaky all right, shit. So well, maybe, we had, we had a, maybe a, you're Jesus. Well, we had a. I, um, I had, <laughs> okay, continue. I could. There's something there. I could. Um, yeah, but, but that's, that's insanity. That's you got to be. You have to be insane to, which is crazy wisdom type of stuff. But uh, what happened was, well, I had a roommate who was Welsh, Jewish, and a redhead, Meredith, and. She, um, so we're really good friends with her father, hardcore Welsh dudes. And uh, my mother was half Welsh, half French, half Welsh. And uh, Meredith, when she moved out, she said, I want to give you this book. And it was a really tatty uh, Jewish, like, Bible. But mm -hmm. it's, it's a Jewish, it's, it was uh, about the uh, legends of the Jews, the Jewish people. The Talmud, and maybe? I don't know what no. it was. It's got, I've, I've got it somewhere. It's got the uh, very, she said, I want you to have this. So I was um, reading, just uh, sitting in, my, in this room in the, in the loft and I had a little light going and I was reading a paragraph and it was about uh, God, uh, David talking to God. He had like a one-on-one -on -one who he's just talking to him like he's, like he's right there. And he had a problem with spiders. And he said, why did you come up with such a lowly creature, the spider, you know, like that. And God said to him, even even the spider has its place and you will see that and when he was um on the run from was it saul the, the, the yeah 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 he hid in a cave and what he witnessed was a spider started spinning a web at the mouth of the cave and he was hiding in the back of the cave so when saul's man came running up past the cave entrance they saw this fresh spider web and so they knew that there was well, there's no one in that because the, it would have damaged the spider's web. Mm. Spider has its place. And at yeah. that moment, that David realized that even the even the spider has its place. So when I was reading this in this dark room with a little little lamp going, right as I went read the like the, the last sentence of that paragraph, in at that moment, David realized that even the lowly spider had its place. I had a giant spider landed on my shoulder. Wow. At the same moment. Moment. That's crazy talk. Dude. It, I mean it was poetic. Yeah. The, the yeah. Was and I got shivers, man. I was I was like <gasps> like that because I was not expecting a giant spider. And I love spiders. See yeah. that this David is not like that David. This David loves all. Yeah. My, my last name's Love. I was gonna say get freaked out. I was gonna say no way, but really? Yahweh. 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 <laughs> God, that's bad. I'm, I apologize, but yeah. 
But I, I met this, uh, I met this uh, like a woo-woo channel person, and she said that she 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 didn't know any of this stuff, and she came up and she said, "You're one of the Davids." And I said, "What do you mean by that?" She said, "Well, there is the biblical David, but there are the biblical Davids part of a group of Davids, like a group soul that is David, and they all know each other throughout time, and they create the Star of David." They each David forms a point on the Star of David, and when they all line up, they create a portal to another dimension or something like that, or God or whatever it is. And so, interesting. So, yeah. So there's some trippy stuff there, that I, and I feel like you and know, rather like, you pack that right. You know, people listening to this, you're full of shit, man. That's fuck. You know, like no, I'm, my Buddhist teachers make me very aware of karma. So. When you think you're all puffed up and high and my way, because you know that, like, when people always say, oh, it was a so and so in my past life. No one's like, well, I was shoveling shit in my past life. You yeah, know, yeah, they know, yeah, they yeah they totally. Know, oh, I was a king. You know, there's like this. Well, the thing about the Buddhist side of things, karma is a big deal. So you may have done good stuff and bad stuff in a past life, and it's still to this day, you're still working it out. And I had a, a thing where, um, my brother, we were going out to Oregon for the first time, and uh, my mum was trying to use up her film, and we were swimming on the, uh, on the, in the sea off the coast of Isle of Wight, and, uh, um, and Rob's been like Lord Muck on this air mattress. He's hogging it to himself, and uh, mum's like, can you just splash him or something? Because he's like, I want to get, get him. I was like, and I had a stone in my hand. And I was like, yeah, I, all right. Well. So I lobbed this stone. No, no sling. Yeah. But I, I love this stone. And uh, my brother's like, it, it's an impossible shot. That's why I threw it so hard. Because I knew yeah. I'd never hit him. Yeah. He was like, oh, you're, you're just going to like, startle him. Yeah, I just wanted to splash him. So he roll off. The, and, and, well, he sees this stone flying through the air. And, and he, he's like, rather than getting off the mattress, he kind of like, and he swings his leg up. And the stone cracks his Holy leg, shit. And he gets a spiral fracture. God damn. Ah. Yeah, boom. And what happened was the night before we were getting drunk, get our drunk on in the pub, and Rob <laughs> Rob was uh going he's the youngest, I'm the oldest, and he's he's like you're always such a you're always in hospital, you always got you need glasses, you had asthma, you got, you know, bad spine and you know, he gave me a ton of shit, and he and he and then you know we all had a buzz on, and he goes, "Look at me, I haven't even broken a bone. I'm perfect." <laughs> and there's a very what was it the very the next night day? before? Yeah, he's, he got cracked in the leg, and then the next day he gets yeah. cracked in the leg. It was like, and we all went, "Well, that was fucking weird, dude," because you said like, "Oh, look at me, I'm perfect. I haven't even broken a bone in my." my you're wow. such a you know, and uh, karma, I guess. Yeah, and it was really <laughs> weird because you know, there's a the whole thing about David and Goliath, and I've always seen my brother as a sort of a giant. Yeah, he is kind of like this heavyweight. He's taller. He's taller, and sometimes I think, wouldn't it be ironic if you did come back and you were like, you did have some kind of karma, like you were David? Well, you have the karma of killing Goliath, and in the Buddhist world, you'd have to make peace with that. Mm. And wouldn't it be fitting to, for him to be your brother? Oh, yeah. So you have to fix that karma? Because I'm all about forgiveness and uh, kindness and compassion. And if I was like, say I was like David, I have killed a bunch of people and I treated some ladies badly. So yeah. <laughs> I have to make up for that karma. And I played out this karma where I didn't kill him, but I did break his leg with a stone. And it was an impossible throw. I have the photos. My mum took the picture. She was taking pictures. Yeah. Click, yeah. click, click. So Rob comes out of Oregon. So our first time arriving in Oregon, Rob's in a wheelchair. And, uh, <laughs> stuff and But yeah, uh, that's, I know that's crazy talk, but it was some really, well, really trippy you know, synchronicity it, it, to it. It is, but it you isn't. You know, you say it's crazy talk, but our listeners have heard some pretty wild stuff. Stuff. Oh yeah, we've had some interesting yeah. folks on here <laughs> so, so far. I'm very proud of that. Anyone who's still listening to our show. <laughs> There we anyway, go. oh, is it going? Okay, it's yeah. Gone. So we had a glitch. Anyway, that I guess. I think yeah. that's a good. I guess in conclusion to that, I would say that I think time and space and these stories and all these things are much more interlaced and overlapping than we think they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And storytelling. I mean, if it, yeah. Okay, so it's not crazy talk so much as storytelling. It's maybe, storytelling. You know? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. storytelling is what separates the Homo sapien from everything else. No, wait. <laughs> Good storytelling is what separates the Homo sapien from the homosexual. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And we are absolutely not. We are absolutely LGBT positive. That yeah, was not uh, a crack. I don't even know how that would be an insult. That was just silliness. That was but, just. But I what know. I mean is, uh, <laughs> the ability to tell stories uh, is really what makes us special yeah, as a species. I, I do like storytelling. Yeah. And we're, we we aren't the only human species that's ever existed. There we coexist. Well. We existed alongside other uh, human species, but you know, we we won. <laughs> well, it is it's fascinating. Yeah, no, you think about how old the planet is and stuff like that, and but yeah, other planets even. So, uh, this has been. <laughs> <laughs> David episode Lovell. nine. Episode nine. Episode nine. Uh, thank you for listening and thanks, David. That was an awesome. Yeah, thanks, thank you, thanks, Dave. Dave. thanks yeah. Dave, for being on the show. Oh, you bet. Gosh, that was fun. Great. It's so cool. <laughs> All right, um, everybody. So if you have a giant crystal and it wants to go in the ocean, don't be too sad when you don't have it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. I was gonna say the. Uh, it's got bigger fish to fry. Just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> bigger. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, cheers. Good night. And uh, do we have a? a we have never yet? come up with a send off. Okay. Like I think it was I think that the best send off is us not having one. Yeah. So just, um, it's different every time. Yeah. That's the end. Bye. Thanks for listening. And good night.